welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Hello, welcome back, Bridge Community. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, we go dipping into the community to find some uh, some good folks to talk to and get some information from. And I have with me today Elsie Crawford. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Great. Um, I have worked with Elsie. Oh, it's been over a year now, I think, in this program called Repairing Together. And I had never heard of it before. I had never seen anything like it before. So I think that we're going to have to get Elsie uh, to tell us all about Repairing Together. But start out, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in the Netherlands, in Europe. And um, when my husband and I first met, that's where we spent our first seven years of our marriage. He's from uh, Milwaukee. And we decided to come here and have our kid grow up with grandma, grandpa, all the mm -hmm. aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we came here. He still reminds me, it's your fault that we're living here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he also explained to me that the U.S. is not what I thought it would be, mm -hmm. what you get through the news and through books, media and right. films. And I thought, how bad can it be? Until I got to Milwaukee and uh, I noticed I was treated differently mm -hmm. but not because of anything I did just how I looked mm -hmm. I'm a bit white <laughs> so um, that had a bit of a Stepford effect on me that mm -hmm. I thought why are you doing that and on the other hand <clears throat> sorry when I learned how to work a gas station pump which is slightly different than in Europe there was this very nice gentleman who helped me and afterwards, I thought, oh, it's so simple, uh, stupid blondes. And I just touched him, and he flinched. He was African-American. Uh -huh. And I knew that something had happened mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of. So I added, oh, those stupid foreigners. And at that moment, he just defrosted us. Oh, you're not from here? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm from Europe. And, that, and it became really quite chummy then. So mm -hmm. that was my first uh, week here. And I knew that my husband was right, that things are still pretty different here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I grew up with, um, mind you, all European countries are criminal in nature that they all have blood on their hands with all the the, the traveling that they did and the, the spice trade and the slave trade. Right. I mean, they're all dirty. Right. And some of them dealt with it better than others. And we had a very mixed community. And I left 12 years ago. Back then, it was still pretty nice, not too much racism. Mm -hmm. That wasn't so much our issue. So I grew up with lots of kids from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, we got in trouble together, and that was always fun. I think when you get in trouble together, that's what I tell my children now, then you have trust. Right. Ah. Because you don't read out on each other, and you know you can depend on each other. Right. So... Um, yeah, that's uh, where I come from, okay. basically. And so you you found your way to Milwaukee, and, and we always hear about um, the national news, how segregated Milwaukee um, appears. 
and there are pockets of people that I found because I'm, I'm not from Milwaukee either, um, but we've been here for about 10 years. You know, there are pockets of people that kind of can congregate with each other, but certainly not mixing of people. People kind of, um, it's a big city, there's lots of people, but they don't kind of get together, it seems. And out in the suburbs, we are completely separated and segregated. So if you live in a segregated area, then it makes sense that your schools are going to be segregated also. So tell me about repairing together and how that started. Well, I was in between jobs about three and a half years ago and uh, wondering what I could do next. And my husband said, what would you like to see changed in the world? And I was thinking, well, who am I? As if I could change anything. But I said, well, if I could change something, I would like to deal with kids to take away the fear of the other. Mm -hmm. I'm Jewish, mm -hmm. and I have encountered anti-Semitic opinions mm -hmm. and treatment. And first of all, people are really uh, surprised when they learn I'm Jewish because somebody told me once, you're the whitest Jew I've ever seen. Yeah. I said, well, then you should come where I come from and you see more of them. <laughs> but um, I wanted to find out, can I do something to get children connected who don't see each other because of the lines of neighborhoods? Right. And, um, so one day I was asked to come to Milwaukee College Prep, 38th Street campus. I um, helped the Jewish community with kids who come here to do a year of service in the community before they go into the Israeli army. And I was still supervising them. And uh, the head of school of Milwaukee College Prep wanted to have those kids come and speak to her children. Mm -hmm. So I went there and suddenly I blurted out, are you ever interested to have a close connection with a predominantly white school and mm -hmm. do social and environmental action programs together? But the real reason being that they lose the fear of the other, get to know each other. Right. And that if they don't like each other, it will be based on character and chemistry, right. but not what you look like right. or come from. Mm -hmm. So she stood up and hugged me and said that she'd been hoping and dreaming of somebody like me to come along. And I said, I'll find the educators. I'll pay for everything. I just need your kids and the time. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, oops, uh, I need to find a white school. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the Milwaukee Jewish Day School okay. and um, said to the head of school exactly the same story, but vice versa. And she said, yeah, sure. And then I had to find funds, mm -hmm. and I found a private donor who said, hey, I think that could be neat. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an educator. I'm a translator, interpreter, Dutch, Spanish, Spanish, Dutch. There's not a high demand for that here in mm -hmm. Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's quite odd that people are okay with me doing such a thing. And um, so we got the money uh, squared out, and then I went looking for educators. Uh, the first program we ever did was with eighth grade students. We had 80 students in there from both schools, and we worked with Victory Garden Initiative. Uh, we had the kids sp spread out in four groups of 20, and every educator there did something else. Mm -hmm. uh, Gretchen Mead was then the director. She explained why urban farming. They had an intern from Ghana who came there to study urban farming so that the kids in his village could stay home longer oh, and nice. go to school. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, I want a Native American educator as well. And uh, that took the longest time because they're not out in the open, if mm -hmm. you will. And uh, I found a teacher and she was willing to come and she explained the connection of the land of Milwaukee with Native tribes mm -hmm. and came with... Uh, 
corn and rice and what it looked like and what tobacco used to look like before we made it into something entirely different. And at the end of the program, the kids were hugging each other and they said, this was great. And I thought, wow, that's a hit. So for my <laughs> second program, I went to uh, Pradeep Kalik and Arna Michaelis of uh, Serve to Unite. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked them to scare the living bejeebies out of the kids. And when Arno started talking how he first was a white supremacist right. and that all he hated were Jews and and black people. And there the kids were looking at each other like, right. that's, that's all us. of us. We're, that's right. So it created an instant bond. The teachers were crying and I thought, I'm either out or in. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know if that was a good sign. But... Um, then the Bruce Guadalupe School um, approached me and said, we know you're in your trial phase because I wanted to have a three-year trial to see what worked, what doesn't right. work, work out the kinks. Right. We have evaluations that are being built by somebody who's a researcher for Rep around Milwaukee. Okay. okay. And we gave the eighth grade students an empathy survey at the beginning of the year. So um, he said, I want in. I don't care that you're still in your trial phase. I said, how many kids do you have? Uh, not a few. So we ended up the year after with 134 students. But in that first year, NJDS had slid their seventh grade with the eighth graders just for a numerical value. It's a smaller school. Mm-hmm. And we noticed that with the empathy survey, it had a bigger effect on the seventh graders than on the eighth graders. So I said, give me your young ones. Okay. I want them from K4 all the way through eighth grade so that they have 10 years to grow together, doing a few programs per year. And by the time they get to high school, nothing phases them about somebody of different cultures or backgrounds or looks, whatever. And they said, oh, okay, for it, it's a bit much. And uh, we'll, we'll try out with second grade between MJDS and Bruce Guadalupe only. MCP said, we'll first see if those kids are still able to talk after that year. And okay. we'll, we'll watch it a bit from a distance. So we started there, and that was amazing. The second graders, they hit it off. They became best friends. Parents were inviting each other for dinner nice. after two programs, and I thought, oh, this might actually work. Right, right. Uh, halfway through year two, the Indian Community School uh, connected with me and said, yeah, we know you're still in your trial phase. And I thought, oh, gosh, here <laughs> we go again. Because this is a 20-hour job for me. So I thought, how many kids? And... Uh, they wanted in with eighth grade, but also in second grade. And last year I said to them, can we do a trial between just two schools for K-4? MJDS and Indian Community School said, okay, we're, we're game. So we started with K-4. So you're getting younger and younger, which makes sense, right? This is That's how children learn as they grow they're interacting and the younger they are the you don't have to invent anything right. special they just play together they play. read books together they share cultural stories but it just enters as okay yeah so he's native and right. she's jewish and and let's even go play it's fine one <laughs> k4 student asked what does it mean to be jewish and i thought oh really you don't have anything less complicated than that <laughs> but they, they were, yeah, the K-5 five students now who've seen each other already for a year. They say, hey, there you are. Yeah, that's my friend, and I know you, and it's so easy. That's nice. And, and that's I so do, nice. I do want to clarify. So we've got the Milwaukee College Prep, which is primarily African-American, mm-hmm. and we have Bruce Guadalupe, which is primarily Latino. Mm-hmm. We've got Milwaukee Jewish Day School, which are primarily white Jews. Yeah, there are a few sprinkles between. But okay. 
and then the Indian Community School, which has multiple a, tribes. Anybody from any of the tribes can can attend there. So groups of people where the adults aren't even in proximity with each other. Where right. where are they yeah. hanging out all together? Where are we meeting all together? That doesn't happen. So whatever the children are learning, we're thinking that the parents are may pick up some stuff too. So we've worked our way up to fourth grade now. Okay. And we're up to 450 students. Oh my goodness. <laughs> In another two and a half years, we'll be lined up from K4 all the way through eighth, and then we'll have around a thousand students. Wow. So um, that will be magnificent. Okay. And then we can scale back a bit because eighth grade is still an island there, and I've asked the heads of school, do we want to? Leave them alone for the time being because it's an awkward age. Mm-hmm. And to put strangers together, you need to do a lot more icebreakers, team builders, where they all have to touch each other. Oh, oh my. Because <laughs> hands. Don't, don't go overboard. Just hands and do. Well, but even that, when right? you are not even used to being in proximity, can be a big thing. But now, when you touch a person, right. it makes it real. Ah, I like that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and head over to a commercial. We'll be right back. back with Elsie of uh, Repairing Together. And one of the things that um, that our conversation brought to mind was that y- you are not from Milwaukee. You're from outside of Milwaukee. I am not from Cedarburg. I've had um, Heidi, our co-host, who isn't able to be here today. She's not from Cedarburg. A lot of people who are from outside of com- a community can come into the community and see that there are gaps and see that things are not what you expected or um, and and bring that up. But that doesn't always bode well with the community that you're talking about. So when you came in to see, I see some things that are missing and I want to help. What kind of reception did you get from other folks around the community? Did they see the same thing or just think that, you know, you were looking too hard because you were coming from outside of the, the area? Well, I let the people educate me. Uh Because I'm a foreigner, I stopped working on my accent to make it more American. I thought, I want people to know that I'm not from here. Mm -hmm. So I can ask very awkward questions. (laughs) I can say, I don't know that. That was not how I was raised, what I was taught growing up. Please help me understand. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion? What is your view? So um, in the Netherlands, nobody speaks Dutch in the world. So we we are obliged to learn more languages. So we speak on average four or five languages. Okay. And that's magnificent if you want to interact with people and let them tell you their story in their own language. Mm -hmm. So I ask people like, for instance, Reggie Jackson, who was kind enough to do a few programs for us. He educated me on uh, the situation in Milwaukee and from his point. We had this magnificent story together for two hours, and I learned so much. I learned from all my educators. I learned from the heads of school. I learned from the students, mm-hmm. from their stories, and I just listen a lot. I, I'm talking now a lot, but I can really <laughs> shut up and listen. So that guided me, okay. and um, with the programs for the students, 
the students gave me in their evaluations what they liked, okay. what they didn't like, what they liked to see changed. Um, the teachers give me feedback mm -hmm. what they like or would like to see changed. I'm listening to everybody, and since it's me with help of a few friends, mm -hmm. I can tweak. And sometimes in the evaluations of the students, you get a line like, oh, it looks like somebody's listening to us. And yeah, I'm yes. listening to you. Right. I wanted to make it your own because we now notice that teachers are reaching out to each other and want to learn more about each other. Mm -hmm. Parents are more interested. And I thought, you know what? It starts as a little ink drop, but why not make this a whole national movement? Right, right. If a foreigner can do this from nothing in Milwaukee. Right then we can help other schools along the way as well. So right. we're going to write down our curriculum, our plans, and share how we got funding for all that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're planning to share that over the next two years with neighboring states who have expressed already an interest. What are you doing exactly? How right. did you do that? Because the whole of the U.S. is mixed, so everybody can just join in. There could be more cohorts. We can only handle so many students. Right. Because you want it to be meaningful, so the kids need to be in smaller groups together and do things together. We work with local nonprofits like Urban Ecology Center, Arts at Large, First Stage. Those are just means to an end. And once we're all lined up from K-4 through 8th, we can scale it back again and do more in-house. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. then they'll see each other at least four or six times a year, and it becomes more natural. Mm -hmm. <coughs> You've given us a couple of examples of what you do. Like you talked about the Urban Ecology Center and you guys have worked in a victory garden before. What other things are a part of your curriculum? I mean, are, are there very, very structured things that you do with the older children versus letting the, the little ones play more? How do you do that? Uh, yeah, the little ones get some playtime and we work with Urban Ecology Center because a lot of kids don't go outside enough. Mm -hmm. So in the first session, we think it's good to for them to run outside, get some ecological education by their educators, which is great. Then I usually bring in another educator who teaches something else. And We've started with all of the programs to also incorporate a Native American educator mm -hmm. as the normal status because we noticed that the older children don't have a clue about Native American culture, right. uh, the land we're on, and the only thing they knew was the Thanksgiving story, which we all know is Ugh. not the truth because <laughs> right. history is written by the victors yes. and not those who uh, were on the receiving end of nastiness. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that we want to highlight. We want to bring all of our histories mm -hmm. into the open because it's not being taught in Wisconsin. Right. And to give uh, Black History Month in February, it's very nice, mm -hmm. but there's way more to tell. And besides uh, slavery, civil rights, you also need to focus on what has been accomplished since then. Mm -hmm. What are all the accomplishments, the scientists, the, the strong women? There's so many beautiful stories out right, there right. which are never highlighted. Right. Um, Native Americans, the same thing. They have multiple tribes, so mul multiple stories. Mm -hmm. But we don't know about it. Uh, the Jewish narrative, the Holocaust is very important to teach. Mm -hmm. But there's more to it. Thing. It's not mm -hmm. the only thing. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. same for the Latinas. So we're sharing each other's histories as well. Mm -hmm. 
And hopefully we can also bring that to the forefront mm -hmm. at some point to share with others. I also like that you share space because you don't always hold your gatherings in the same space. You go to each of the different schools so that they can have, you know, call it home turf, but, you know, bring others to your house to show them your house and the things that you're proud of while you're having those discussions. Oh, That's totally. Good, mm -hmm. Yeah. And also with the eighth grade students, we are moving a bit away from the bigger programs to student shadowing days. So we take seven students of one school and seven of another, and those 14 kids go to a partner school for the whole morning, including okay. lunch. They go through the normal sessions of reading, writing, math, whatever they're teaching mm -hmm. with their peers in that school. And at first we thought, is this a good try? And we, we talked to the students and they said, this is the most amazing because we're one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes classes might be a bit boring, but then we will appreciate our own teachers more. Sure. But it, it creates a bond better uh, they're not up in the forefront, but they're together on their own. And after lunch, they're just big buds. I got a call from a teacher of, um, from the Bruce Guadalupe School last year, and she said that her students went for an informational evening to high school, and they were very apprehensive, didn't know what to expect, kind of scared mm -hmm. to be in the general population, if right, you will. Right. But they saw their friends from Milwaukee College Prep, and they felt at home. We got friends there. We're all good. And she said, thank nice. you for making this possible. Right. I like that. That's good. That's good. Um, the, the empathy survey. So that's, you mentioned that as one of the things that was kind of a, like a pre, let's think about what you know now before the program starts and how that's evolved. What does that look like? How? There how are 15 questions. Okay. Positive and negatives mm -hmm. that have been, uh, set together by Dr. Goldfarb, who's a researcher for Rep Around Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And they get exactly the same 15 questions at the end. Okay. And she interprets that. She's a very smart lady. Mm -hmm. And um, she makes these nice graphs so that we can show to the schools and to the boards, this is what the programs did. This is the effect it had on your students. And this is what the outcome is with the empathy survey. Now, mind you, with eighth grade after one year, it's minuscule right. right well they don't even speak very many words out and to regular people sometimes too when they're in eighth grade but we had to have some <laughs> measurement tool for right. that grade as well because right. with the others we measure it also but through multiple evaluations mm -hmm. because i think when you get donor advice funds money or foundations or private donors you need to be able to say, this is what I spend every dime on, right. and this is what the effect is of right. the programming, so mm -hmm. that they can decide, is this still worth my attention, right. and is this the way I want to go? So for us, it's also important to know what we're doing. We have an advisory board. We have uh, people on it who have PhDs in education, and we have people who are uh, experts on curriculum building, mm -hmm. because slowly we're building our curriculum. Mm -hmm. And uh, nothing is written in stone, though, right. because we want the teachers and the heads of school to have also a say in what we're doing. And I asked uh, the heads of schools, I said, well, let's wait until we're caught up to eighth grade. And they said, if you can save us one child, that's worth every, right. every moment and right. every effort. So I'm glad there was no pressure there, but <laughs> they're so invested, and I'm so honored 
and humbled that those heads of schools and the teachers that they have that faith in right. what we're doing. Right. How how are you able to integrate what's happening in current events? I mean, do you, do your children, especially the eighth graders, so, you know, they have some harder things that are happening to them and around them maybe than the little ones do. Do they have any chance to talk about some of those hard things with their friends if if there's some we have um, usually the first session uh, at the beginning of the calendar year is our social justice session okay and we work with judge Derek Mosley who's uh, very sweet that he still comes to us to talk with the children he talks about the justice system they can ask him any question they want and we've worked with uh, state representative Jocasta Zamaripa who also came and with a civil rights lawyer so that the kids can ask questions we say what do you want your neighborhood to look like Mm. what needs to change for you to get there to have that vision of your neighborhood Mm -hmm. how can we all as our friends and allies help you get there right and um then they think with these people who are professionals in milwaukee and give off their time to explain to the kids how it works and what they can do, and that they have more power than they think they have. Right. Because I always say to them, you're just a few years younger than those in the civil rights movement, and look what they did, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is goosebumpy. Right, 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 right. That's good. That'll work. Okay, let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back. We're back again. We've been learning from um, Elsie how how just giving children time together, sometimes structured, sometimes unstructured, but giving space, giving time to get to know one another um, as people instead of what we see on the news or what... Um, what bad stereotype you've heard about the other. And and I really enjoy thinking about what this could look like in the future. It's only three and a half years in. Uh, tell me what, what you hope to see for repairing together itself. What you hope to see, um, what you hope to see happen for. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot the last few weeks. And when all the kids are lined up from K-4 through 8th, we're sort of building a community. We're engaging the teachers, the heads of schools, hoping to affect the parents. I would love in a year or two, I hope I'm not scaring anybody off my advisory board, but (laughs) to have summer camp opportunities for those in lower school because they live on opposite sides Mm -hmm. of the city. And some kids, a lot of them actually, don't have the financial means. But I'm looking at Camp Kindred, who just started a few years ago, with combining kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I'm in touch with them, and I say, well, when you've worked out all the kinks, come back to me, because then maybe we can find a foundation or donors who can help support us so that the kids could meet each other for a week in summer. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Nothing structured, just play and... Being normal 
kids together like we used to play on the streets. Yeah, I, well, I like the fact that you're talking about camp because I think that even friends that I have don't realize if you've grown up in the suburbs or you've grown up um, with families that could afford to do all these extra things, that those of us who grew up in the inner city, there wasn't a camp. Well, you know, when you went to camp, who went to camp? No, I didn't go to camp. Or, you know, you're outside playing outside. Outside wasn't a safe place. You were mostly inside. Outside, you don't just roam around outside. And and that is a part of the education that intentional, maybe unintentional, they don't get it that you're when you're together with different backgrounds that you learn these things about each other and you don't always assume, well, of course you had swim lessons at camp, right? Didn't you go to the lake? And go to a lake. Well, what about your family's cabin? We don't have a cabin, you know, and people just don't think about those kind of things. So I like that that having the the connection with the kids, that they can know that you can be friends with someone who didn't do all the same things. You guys can have different memories together, and not assuming that everybody had the same um, the same resources, the same activities that you had when you were growing up. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the things that I'm thinking about. And also, I would like to formalize a bit more how we share our histories. I would love for our sixth graders to think, what do you know about Native Americans or what do you know about Latinos? And this can be all without names on it, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. that it can be uh, free-flowing. And then fill in those gaps, Mm -hmm. what they don't know, so that we can help understand more where we're coming from and... Yeah, like I said. Not only on a special day or not on a special month or not for a special program, just all the time. And I would love to explain to other other teachers and schools how we can set up more cohorts, how Mm -hmm. we can work more together. Um, I think sometimes you hear about people uh, also within the African-American community. I'm tired of educating the white. Yes, ma'am. And I can understand that. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a Jew, sometimes, you know, oh gosh, there's the Holocaust again. <laughs> no offense, but we are the keepers of our history. Right. And if we want the truth to be out there, we better buckle up again and explain to them what our truths are, right. how we want people to know about us. Right, right. And um, I think that that's the most important thing, to have an um, extra dose of patience and go at it again. Right. And it, and it, it does get really exhausting. But I, I would rather, like you said, buckle up and, and give you the truth instead of you coming across with a, a, an untruth. Because or- I think education <laughs> is everything. Yeah. When people are not inclusive, I don't think it's because they're bad people. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. And we first have to give them all the chance to know mm-hmm. and then make up their mind. Right. And, and that's what you see with the kids. It's not really that hard. It's not brain surgery. Mm-hmm. They, they figure it out mostly themselves. They hardly need me. They just right. need me to put them together with their teachers. Uh-huh. And when we work together with other nonprofits in town, we ask the teachers, what are you teaching right at this moment? Is there any subject that needs to be incorporated? Because the subject doesn't really matter. Right. That's true. So if there's anything that helps you along will put that front and center, but mm-hmm. then they have all the icebreakers, team builders, art projects within that. Uh, we did a whole session on paper making and making a little toy that was Native American. Okay. And some of the eighth grade students taught that to the second graders of all the schools, which was amazing. I would love to have book buddies mm-hmm. uh, cross schools. I mean, imagine those l- little kids 
going to MCP and having their, their book buddy in seventh or eighth grade whom they revere and they look really up do, to. They really do, right. They become heroes. <laughs> and um, there, there are other programs like that. We switch teachers, too. We swap teachers. When it's uh, Black History Month, mm-hmm. we invite a teacher from MCP to teach civil rights uh-huh. at MJDS. Or uh, if there's a topic on Holocaust, we send out one of our teachers to Bruce Guadalupe. Right, or right. That's easy. Right. And for the teachers, it's nice to see the other schools and how they work, and they get more questions from the teachers there. So right. it's just we're finding as many ways to cross each other's mm-hmm. paths as possible without becoming obnoxious. Well, but but your focus right now is, is K through 8. Mm-hmm. So what happens to the 8th graders who have had several years of this and then they're kind of split off and don't have a... What, what do you see happening with them once once they hit high school? Well, the problem is that in high school you cannot dictate that they have to continue that. Uh-huh. We have been talking together with uh, Pardeep and Arno of Surf to Unite. We've mm-hmm. talked at Sherwood High School, for instance, what they can do mm-hmm. to offer students the choice to have lunch programs. I know that in Florida they had a program, Don't Eat By Yourself. It had a different name, but... It, that now escapes me, that you would get a new kid and join them for lunch, Mm -hmm. and you can have lunch conversations. There are lunches that could be sponsored through local organizations to talk about diversity or what you want to happen, have happen in your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. what you want to change. Or There's so many things that are both just... uh, discussion type programs or really hands-on that you you go and you clean up a park and you do things together Mm -hmm. to just connect the kids again Mm -hmm. but it has to come from the students themselves so then we encourage heads of school look at what is out there already you Mm -hmm. don't have to reinvent the wheel just have one person come in who has a nice way of talking and interacting with students right right. and then it's up to the students is this our cup of tea or not and we've had um um, arno and pardeep come out to speak at um i think they came out to matc but arno's story is such a powerful story and he went to high school out here he was at homestead high school in mequon and and to be able to say from his point of view this is what can happen and how things can go when you don't talk about it, when you can't connect and learn about other people. You create these ugly stories and this fear of other people that unchecked, it just kind of grows and grows into, you know, a big ugly thing. And how was he brought out of it? By connecting person to person with an African-American lady and a Jewish boss. Right. The people that he hated the most help him snap out of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or maybe that's not the right way of phrasing it. But So I think that if that can work for a former white supremacist who now is a fighter for peace, imagine what it could do to all our students of all ages who don't have that innate bias yet. It's Mm -hmm, just... mm -hmm. I like that. Um, tell me what our well tell our, our listeners in our communities here where, where our station is is um, sending out this podcast, if they want to support repairing together um, financially or if they want to get more information about it, where can they go to read up on it or find out how to donate? Um, I have a website, repairingtogether.com, or they can call the Milwaukee Jewish Day School, and uh, we can talk. Okay. We'll make sure to add some things to the show notes, even if you have um, 
other thoughts or other um other folks that you'd like to link people to we can add those things to the show notes and tell me i guess to kind of wrap us up here out in the suburbs because this is where i am this is my backyard without an official formal program like repairing together what kind of things can our parents do in our community for the kids that are here that again don't have proximity to people who look different than them that people who believe differently than them how what can we do out here to help kind of get them on a path of interacting with with other people as opposed to an, an isolationist kind of that is thought. more of a problem and it needs to be more of a concerted effort by parents and teachers then and uh, it takes a bit more of an effort yeah. but they could start as with the young ones with the library with children's books mm-hmm. who are with different uh, protagonists right. and that look different so I've already seen in the library in Cedarburg that they have a nice collection yes and that's close to home they can mm-hmm. ask their schools to incorporate that more mm-hmm. um, Milwaukee Jewish Day School is in Whitefish Bay mm-hmm. which is also not renowned for its uh, diverse population mm-hmm. But they invite students from Cardinal Stretch to come in. They uh, connect with a high school from uh, Riverside, for instance. They have students come in. They interact with refugees. You could have um, refugees come into the school, tell about their story, Mm -hmm. where they came from, what their culture looks like which kids find extremely interesting. Right, right. You could have Especially before they've learned that it's a bad story or it's an ugly story. They haven't learned that yet. That's something that's taught and they pick up. So how great to have them listen and learn and, and enjoy have, that. You can have an, a school class come in from a different school. You have a great Hmong school here too in mm-hmm. the region. Mm-hmm. You could have um, a discussion in the older grades about religion or culture. You could have somebody from the Salam school come in, talk about Islam mm-hmm. and how does that connect to Christianity, mm-hmm. Judaism, uh, talk about him. It, it, you just need to find, it's not, the will needs to be there. Right. It's right. not so hard. It just takes a few phone calls and a little bit of persistence, but right. it can be done. And right. if the will is there, any school could just do those little things, those little nuggets that will already start to change people's opinion. Right, right. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And um, we hope to hear from you soon as Repairing Together grows and just has it gets more eyes on it and see about the, the great work you've done. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life, or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community, and on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.